Welcome to the Scott Shepard Podcast. I am a man on a mission to create an army of independent writers, creators, and thinkers who make a hell of a living doing what they love. And it all starts with one thing, and that is doing things the old way, the hard way, the deliberate way, the anti-net way. Listen in as I share thoughts and rants of what goes on behind the scenes as I create an independent knowledge empire where I get to spend my days doing what I love, reading, writing, and thinking while making a hell of a living and helping my people do the same. Hey, what's up, friend? Welcome back to another episode of The Daily Scott Shepherd. Today's episode is number 206. Yep, it's coming to you live with a, well, the man that actually created uh, me out of his, um, well, penile product and semen uh, named Paul Shepper, my biological father. He is in the, the background actually watching live uh, this episode today. And today's episode is coming from Little Italy, San Diego, California, on a 4.04 p.m. And as you may recall, yesterday I left off by teasing you with what I'm going to talk about today. And what I told you is that I am going to take this discussion on productivity and PKM, personal knowledge management, Zettelkasten, and the anti-net, which is the, well, yesterday I told you the working acronym was Analog Numbered Tree Index Network, right? That's a little, that's a mouthful. So I'm playing around with changing it to perhaps Analog Note Tree Index or Analog Tree Index Network. We'll figure that out later. But I like the fact that it re-emphasizes the fact that, well, Lumen's system was analog first and foremost. And that's important because he was not trying to build the internet. He was not trying to build a tool that is efficient and, well, essentially the best way to store information in a database or online. No. What he created the Zettelkasten 4, which literally means notebox, is to serve as a thinking tool to develop thought. He was not trying to create the worldwide frickin' web. So a lot of people seemingly make the attribution, fundamental attribution error, to where they assume that if Lumen was alive today, he would, of course, use the digital technologies and tools of today. However, he would not. That is my contention. I mean, look, I can't ask him since the man is, well, buried somewhere in Germany. And that said, I am 96% confident that he would opt for analog if he went through the empirical evidence and experience of testing both of those things, such as I have. So anyways, let's jump into it. I'm going to tell you something that I'm going to take you into a discussion that is a disciplinary field that is going to come out of left field. And the disciplinary field that we are going to jump into is not mathematics, not, I don't know, productivity, time management. No, it comes from the field of botany and zoology. And it centers on the term persistence. You see, Persistence in botany and zoology means something different than what most people think when they hear the term. That is, 
its principle in the context of life philosophy, wherein it's a positive trait of being obstinate and, well, having ruthless determination no matter the perception of the situation. That is the meaning and the concept that most people think of when they hear the term persistence. But it is not. It is not in botany and zoology the essentially, well, the being stubborn and ruthlessly determined no matter the situation, especially when the situation is remarkably difficult to overcome. Now, to be sure, you will still need that type of persistence when building your own anti-net, because you're going to be doing things the hard way. You're going to be developing your thought, your mind, and creating genius-level work. And guess what? There ain't no shortcuts, which is why the digital workflow warriors and hotkey junkies of the digital age that promise that there's a magical system out there wherein it will make your life of writing and publishing and creating genius-level work easier and more effective, well, they're shitting themselves and they're shitting you. Period. And the one thing that you should know is that when you adopt the anti-net, it will definitely make the writing process easier and seamless and seemingly seem as if you're spitting out genius-level content, well, in the writing phase of creating something. But what they don't know is that what they are seeing is just the tip of the iceberg. Behind the scenes is the hard work and, well, dedication and persistence that you have had to have in building your own analog thinking internet. So, what does the persistence of zoology and botany refer to? Well, it refers to the part of a plant or an animal that is, a, that is essentially of a nature wherein it's attached to the animal, yet the part is non-vital in such a way that one would normally expect that part from the plant or the animal to be removed. And when it is removed or when it falls off, it would not kill the plant or animal. For instance, one normally expects trees to shed its leaves, right? And you do not expect the tree to die when it sheds its leaves. However, have you ever noticed that certain trees do not? You'll see certain trees still with leaves in the fall or the winter, and it's a phenomenon called marcescence. And it's a rarity among all of the species of trees, yet certain trees, like beech trees and certain varieties of oak trees, like hazel, they do not shed their leaves ever. And why does this occur in nature? Why do some plants and animals, such as horns, for instance, in animals, have persistent parts, whereas the vast majority do not. Well, it's something scientists are actually trying to figure out as well. So if you figure it out, 
be sure to let them know. You see, the fascinating thing about such a phenomenon is that it's still a mystery, at least for marcescence in trees, to this day. So, like the leaves of trees, one's own tree of knowledge, which comes from and is one of the earliest metaphors and and most powerful metaphors in, well, Western society and modern society, whether you know it or not, because in Genesis, it begins with the tree of life and the tree of knowledge, and you should not eat from the tree of knowledge. Well, we're going to carry forth this metaphor of the tree of knowledge, and, well, I'm going to tell you that in your own tree of knowledge, in your own mind, the one that resides in your head, your your mind sheds not leaves, but thoughts. And some leaves, like thoughts, grow brown and dead and stale, and then they shed. Other leaves and other thoughts are useful. For instance, producing food and chlorophyll, if you're a plant, by way of photosynthesis that actually keeps the actual plant alive, helping it survive. Just like thoughts and thinking and growing help human beings survive. Yet even valuable leaves, like one's valuable thoughts, are shed and unfortunately never to be seen again, because we just can't remember everything. Now, again, shedding some types of thoughts are more than welcomed by many of us. Yet, the latest research in cognitive neuroscience shows that the average person experiences about 6,200 thoughts per day. And many of these thoughts are useful, yet they need some time, they need some photosynthesis and chlorophyll, essentially, to sprout and develop. And it's unfortunate because we all know this feeling wherein if you don't develop the thought right now, you're just never going to see it again. And the reason why is because, well, most of us are inundated with so much information and other things that it just crowds it out. And they're like leaves. Our thoughts are like leaves that shed and die and turn brown. Yet, even if captured digitally, for instance, like I know that the CEO of uh, Spanx, for instance, emails herself all of her ideas, right? She rarely ever reviews them, but it just gives her almost like a peace of mind. Yet, even if one captures their ideas and their thoughts digitally, you rarely, if ever, exhibit the practices necessary to sort them out and make use of all of the information, all of your thoughts, because, well, you find yourself drowning in other information, and it's so easy to email yourself a thought that you end up completely forgetting the thought in the first place, or even why you emailed it to yourself. Now, this problem, this shedding of our thoughts and the shedding of them and never having the ability to develop them, 
is the very thing that Nicholas Lumen figured out how to avoid. By way of metaphor, Lumen's system transforms one's mind to a sur- essentially persistent, supercharged version of itself, to a marcescent version, to a marcescent tree of knowledge, one that never sheds its leaves. And Lumen devised a knowledge structure for his thoughts, which transformed his mind, which he admits is naturally not very proficient at remembering thoughts. And that's a lot of, that's something that people seem to mistake as well. They seem to think that Lumen was some type of super genius, but he said, he's like, my mind in my memory is actually very poor. That's why it drove me to continually try to develop a system and devise a system wherein, well, my memory could be offloaded and developed. Well, he's not alone. Everyone's memory is not as good as they think it is. Even if you're one of those people that are self-deluded into thinking that you have a photographic memory. So, he essentially stumbled upon developing a system wherein he turned his mind and his thoughts into a marcescent phenomenon, which exhibited the rather otherworldly perception of retaining key thoughts persistently forever. You see, over the course of days and weeks and months, years, decades even, your antinet morphs. It evolves. And it evolves naturally and slowly, the hard way, over this period of time. It becomes comprised of an indescribable, unforeseeable structure corresponding to not just your mind at that moment, but every single instance of your mind's thoughts over time. And this is made possible by way of the unique combination of its components and its structure, which, if used together, if not stripped away like all the digital junkies have done, and they've morphed it into something that really changes it completely into something that it is not and was never intended to be. So if you actually stick to the structure in which Lumen used and try it for yourself, when used together, it results in marcescence of your mind, of your thoughts. It enables you to navigate your mind and communicate with it in a way wherein your innately and natively structured thoughts are persistently retained, yet are organically stemmed and grown and evolved over time. They're not constrained to some digital sandbox and format or protocol that you have to ascribe by. They're constrained to you and your mind and your system and how it works. Because that is what the blank canvas, the blank note card piece of paper provides. A lot of people think that 
Lumen was a super structured German individual that had, well, devised a system wherein nothing was compromised. And that is far from the truth. If you actually go through his digital archive and look at his notes, you will see that, well, it's flexible. It's a rough system. It is not rigid. It is not, it is not soft, like software either. It's not easy either. It's hard. It's rough. And it is also not perfect. But the thing that separates, and the piece that separates the anti-net from the digital note crapware, and the key with the anti-net structure, is not derived from its ability to link your thoughts between documents. That's what everyone in the digital realm thinks. They're like, okay, let's create software that has linking capability between notes, and we'll call them Wikilinks, right? That has become a fad of today. But that's not what Lumen did. Rather, the key with the anti-net structure, combined with the very fact that keyword full-text search is impossible, forces you to record and create explicit and very selective, the keyword being selective, links manually between your thoughts immediately after you have them. Because you know that if you do not, there's no safety net. There's no full text search where you can be lazy, where you can put it off to where, hey, if I need it, well, I can just search for this idea and somehow find it at the end of the day. The problem is, is when you search, you're not just searching for the key insight or the key idea. You're searching for, well, everything. And you're going to be presented with a ton of crap. And this does not even work through a tagging system either. Because tagging is not selective. It's easy. It can be programmatically applied and dynamically adjusted and applied in mass using regex filtering and a bunch of other things. Because it is hard linked and because it is done through your hand, it is captured and stamped persistently in time. So it evolves in time. It evolves naturally. The bottom line is that laziness, in other words, is not an option. And when you do such, given the energy and time, you know you've expended creating the manual hard-coded note card links, there's another benefit, another thing that happens, which is just as critical, which you will find out what it is tomorrow. So, stay tuned for tomorrow's episode, and I hope you've enjoyed the hard teaching and content and, well, not just infotainment bullcrap and a podcast that centers around shooting the breeze with whoever is the latest author trying to sell their own book. I'm actually teaching you and giving you value, not infotainment that aims to sell you bullcrap.
and value, I give it to you for free every single day. Why? Because hell, if you're a person that is committed to growth and learning, if you're a writer, if you're a copywriter, if you're someone that's an entrepreneur, and you also are the type of person that can laugh at Family Guy and not take things too seriously, then I like you and I love sharing this type of stuff with you. So that is why I do it. And of course, also, because quite frankly, you're getting all of this content and information in tidbits. And when I'm ready and well, when I'm, when my book is published, either online or for free and digitally or in physical form or whatever, right? You will know and want to actually see the full thing in organized knowledge format, not dripped out through daily episodes. But in the meantime, you can get the content and get this stuff a year or so in advance and, well, apply it to your life and gain value out of it. So with that, I must advise you to always remember to stay crispy, my friend, and I'll see you tomorrow. Scott Shepard signing off 425 p.m. Bye-bye now. Hey, real quick. This podcast was made possible by my sponsor, which is me. Yes, frickin' me, Sir Scott of Shepard. You see, I am committed to never shilling some dildo-freaking-hipster-crappy product like all the other podcasters do, all right? So my only ask is that you spend 10 seconds right now, pull to the side of the road, even if you're on the frickin' freeway, and rate and review this podcast. Then share it with a friend. That's my only ask. You see, this will help spread my movement. I want to create an army of 1,000 independent writers, creators, and thinkers who get to spend their days doing what they love, writing, creating, thinking, and taking notes using analog tools, while also making multiple six figures if they even choose to. And more importantly, I want to help my people build a tribe, a tribe of people that they were meant to serve. And so by rating and reviewing this podcast right now, you will directly help me and many others in achieving this mission. Peace.